Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and I am finally back after having two weeks off due to traveling and then sickness. But I am on the mend, thankfully, despite having a little bit of a groggy, kind of nasally voice right now, so you guys are just going to have to bear with me this week. I am back, however, to bring our very first MMIW case of 2022. If you're not familiar with what MMIW stands for, it stands for the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. If you're an OG to the podcast, you know that the MMIW is something that Crimeaholics heavily focused on in August of 2020, and we have continued to share these stories. According to the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native American Women, the U.S. Department of Justice found that Native American women face murder rates at 10 times higher than the national average on some reservations. The National Crime Information Center reports that in 2016, nearly 6,000 cases of missing Native American women and girls were reported to the U.S. Department of Justice Federal Missing Persons Database, but only 116 of those cases were logged into the database. I could go on and on about the stats of the MMIW, but instead I will leave you with a website that has great information that you can read up on. Visit nativehope.org to read up on the issue and to read up on how you can help with this issue. Today's MMIW case is on the unsolved murder of Leah Anderson. Leah Kendra Anderson was born to her parents, Gilbert Duke and Sally Anderson. She lived in Thompson, Manitoba, Canada with her three siblings, which were two sisters and a brother. And of course, she lived with her parents as well until the first family tragedy struck in 2003. Leah's father, Gilbert Duke, was murdered in 2003 when she was just six years old. The devastating blow to the family caused Sally to spiral downward into a pit of depression, and she began to turn to drugs and alcohol to cope with the loss of Gilbert. It wasn't long before child services got involved and took the kids from Sally, placing all four of her children into the foster care system. Over the years in the system, Leah and her siblings would bounce from foster home to foster home to foster home, totaling to 13 different foster homes they resided in during their time in the system, before her aunt and uncle were finally able to get custody of the kids. Leah's aunt, Myra Anderson, and her uncle, Wayne Okomo, gained custody of the kids and had them all moved into their God's Lake Narrows home in 2005. Now, God's Lake Narrows is a super small town in northern Manitoba, and this place is so remote that it's only accessible by ice road or by air during the winter months. But this transition to God's Lake Narrows went really well for Leah. Despite a rough few years, she was a vibrant young lady who always tried to find the positive in all things. Leah was very involved in her community and her Cree heritage. She was even picked to be a youth chief. She was very artistic, and those who loved her said that she was a natural at things like singing, dancing, and ice skating. At 15 years old, Leah had really big goals and dreams to attend the University of Winnipeg, where she had hoped to study art. 
Leah was also a really big people person. With God's Lake Narrows being such a small community, Leah literally knew everybody, and she always wanted to put a smile on everyone's faces, and she did anything that she could to help others, and she always put them before herself. On January 4th, 2013, Leah was enjoying her final days of her winter vacation before she had to go back to school at Frontier Collegiate Institute in Cranberry Portage, Manitoba. On that day, Leah had planned to go ice skating with her friends at the local arena. According to the stories of the unsolved, Leah's friends ended up canceling those plans on her, and instead of staying home, she decided that she was going to go ice skating anyway. Around 7.30 on January 4th, Leah was last seen by her aunt and uncle leaving the home. Before she left, her aunt and uncle called out to her to make sure that she was home by curfew, and Leah acknowledged them and she left the home. Not long after Leah left, one of her girlfriends stopped by looking for her, but she had already left to go skating. As Leah's curfew came and went, her family assumed that she had decided to stay the night at one of her girlfriends. But as late morning arrived the following day and Leah had not come home, her aunt and uncle began to get concerned about her whereabouts. It was very unlike Leah not to have made some sort of contact letting her aunt and uncle know where she was. And because of that, they knew something had to have been wrong. They called upon the local community to come out and help search for Leah, and many showed up despite the frigid cold and heavy snowfall. On the morning of January 6, 2013, Leah's family heard on the radio that a body had been found near a snowmobile trail on the reserve. It would later be positively identified as Leah Anderson, and with her she still had her ice skates, which her sister was able to identify as well as a bag that she had when she left the home. Initially, it was thought that Leah had been mauled by animals, either wolves or dogs. Her body was left in such a terrible and unrecognizable state. When an autopsy was performed on Leah, their findings were not consistent with a brutal animal attack, but was in fact consistent with Leah having been savagely beaten to death. And Leah had bravely fought back against her attacker. On her body, they found defensive wounds. There had also been some animal activity that took place after she was deceased. Leah's toxicology report came back negative for any drugs or alcohol in her system. And after taking swabs of Leah's clothing and body, it was found that there was DNA left behind from an unidentified male. It was believed that Leah Anderson had been murdered sometime before 10 p.m. on January 4, 2013, and then she was dumped at this area near the snowmobile trail. Now here's where things get interesting and makes me believe that this case could easily have been solved, yet it hasn't. On the weekend that Leah was murdered, the ice road that leads to God's Lake Narrows was closed. And let me remind you, this area is so remote that you either travel by ice road or by air to get to God's Lake Narrows. So because of the fact that this ice road had been closed down, it led the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to believe that whomever savagely attacked Leah and then dumped her body had to have been someone from within the local community. 
And at this time in 2013, according to the stories of the unsolved, there was only 285 homes on the reserve. So most people assume that this case would be open and shut and easily solved. But after a few days investigating, the RCMP were running into difficulties figuring out who the killer was. And according to her family, the RCMP was only there for the first few days and then have only visited back to God's Lake Narrows sporadically since. But according to an article published on NationalPost.com, the RCMP had worked hard to find Leah's killer, asking the community to volunteer and submit DNA samples. It also stated that they conducted interviews and even administered lie detector tests, and one by one, their suspects were ruled out. Being that God's Lake Narrows is such a small community where everyone knew everyone, the rumors began stirring. Some of the rumors included things like Leah having been present at a party. God's Lake Narrows is a dry reservation, meaning that alcohol is not allowed. But according to many sources, despite it being illegal to have alcohol, many people smuggled alcohol into the area anyway. The teen girl who had hosted the party had stated that Leah was not present. And Leah's boyfriend, Max Chubb, had even gone to the party in search for Leah that night, but was denied access inside because he was told that the party was strictly for girls. There was also rumors about the brother of the girl who hosted the party. His name was Stephen Chubb, and he was actually the cousin of Leah's boyfriend. Now, allegedly, Stephen had been going around telling people that he had killed someone, but refused to name who. It was also discovered that on the morning that Leah had gone missing, Stephen had sent her a Facebook message. Stephen was brought in for questioning and given a lie detector test, which he passed, but he did reveal that he and Leah had been in a secret relationship in the months before she went missing, but it had ended just a month before. Stephen's DNA was taken in 2019 for testing, and he has been quoted saying he hopes the results come back to prove he is innocent and clear him of any suspicion. But I could not find any kind of information on whether he was officially ruled out or not. Throughout the years, the RCMP has turned to social media to help generate new tips and leads into this case, but unfortunately, nothing solid has come from it. In April of 2016, Leah's family, alongside the family of murdered 22-year-old Crystal Andrews, who was another MMIW that was murdered in God's Lake Narrows area, came together to protest outside of the RCMP headquarters in Winnipeg. Both families were there to show their outrage at the slow progress on both cases demanding that justice be served. Nearly two years later, Crystal Andrews' family would receive justice when Michael William Okomo was arrested and charged with second-degree murder of Crystal. Unfortunately, though, Michael was ruled out as a suspect or a person of interest in Leah's case. In 2017, Leah's family were given a shred of hope when an unnamed 23-year-old man was arrested in connection to Leah's case. The RCMP called this move, quote, significant, but her family was let down the following day when the man was released without charges. 
What I find odd about this is that they never stated why he was arrested or what led them to arrest him, nor have they said why he was released with no charges. But this man, though he never has been publicly identified by police, is apparently still a suspect in this case. Which I find this super frustrating given the fact that the RCMP has a DNA profile from the individual who is responsible for the murder of Leah. Why in God's name are they not officially ruling out this individual by taking his DNA is beyond me, but they're allowing him to live out there as a suspect. It literally makes no sense. Through the years, the list of suspects have been narrowed down through investigative techniques, and the RCMP say that they believe whoever did this was someone known to Leah. Despite the claims from the RCMP saying that they are still actively investigating Leah's case, her aunt Myra is extremely frustrated about how all of this has gone down. She says that they claim that they have done 270 interviews with individuals, but she does not believe it. She also has extreme frustrations over the lack of communication from the RCMP, and that when she hears from them, it's when she herself contacts them. This is something that many of Leah's family and closest friends are frustrated over. Leah's family, friends, and many from the community of God's Lake Narrows have continued to try and do whatever they can to keep Leah's story alive and fresh in people's minds. They've organized a nearly 800-kilometer walk from God's Lake Narrows to Winnipeg. Other individuals have organized walks from Thompson to Winnipeg as a call to action for renewed inquiry into Canada's missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. In early 2020, the Presentation House, which is a theater in Vancouver, put on a production called God's Lake and tells the story of Leah Anderson. According to the VancouverPresence.com, this was a verbatim documentary theater piece that provides a glimpse into the reality of the people of God's Lake Narrows. This theater piece was created from interviews conducted and then performed by four actors who portrays 24 different characters. The purpose of this theater piece was to bring awareness and shed light on the complex issues facing people living in such remote indigenous communities. If you have any kind of information on what happened to Leah Anderson, you can call the Winnipeg Detachment of the RCMP at 204-983-5420. If you wish to remain anonymous, you can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. I find this case really frustrating and I want to hear what you guys think about it. It seems to me that a lot more could have been done and that this case shouldn't have been so hard to figure out who done it. We are talking a very, very small remote area with only two ways to access this community and one of those ways was closed that weekend. Not only that, but she was found near a snowmobile trail, which would lead me to believe and all of her family to believe that the person who did this had a snowmobile, which should have narrowed down the pool even further. It just seems that there's a lot of things that could have been looked into further. I can only hope that someday justice for Leah will be served and her family can finally get the answers they deserve. If you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, make sure you join by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook.
In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover. We also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. You can also follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at crimeaholics.podcast. Unfortunately, that is all the information that I have on Leah Anderson, and it's really unfortunate because that seems to be the common problem with these missing and murdered Indigenous women cases. The information, the investigation is lacking. Crimeaholics, that is all for now. Until next time, be aware and take care. Thank you.